Welcome to Igniting the Fire Within, a limited series podcast presented by Wildfire Magazine and The Burn Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, April Stearns. Each week for the next year, you'll hear an essay from our book read by the author. Igniting the Fire Within is a collection of stories of healing, hope, and humor, offering an insider's view into today's young breast cancer community. We compiled 50 essays for people diagnosed in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. There is medicine for each of us in these stories, whether you've been personally diagnosed with cancer or not. Wildfire stories in general, but especially the ones you'll hear from Igniting the Fire Within, are stories of transformation. Our storytellers experienced a shift in perspective as a result of something that happened to them. And the cancer diagnosis was not the thing that happened, or it wasn't the only thing. The cancer diagnosis was merely the catalyst for later changes that led our writers to understand deep truths about the world. Each one of them learned lessons that showed them what it is to live, not just survive, in the glare of cancer. We believe deeply that the stories that change us aren't so much about what happened as they are about what came next. And hearing those stories, true stories of transformation, that's what ignites the fire within each of us. A listener note before we dive in, cancer is a salty business and sometimes talking about it and the aftermath requires salty language. Listener discretion is advised. Today, I have the honor of reading on behalf of Christina Sajak. Christina passed away from metastatic breast cancer before we had a chance to record together. Christina was diagnosed at age 28 with invasive ductal carcinoma that was stage 2B. Then, two years later at age 30, she was re-diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer that was hormone positive. The story of Christina's that I am reading to you today is called Love in the Time of Chemotherapy. I knew going into it that this was going to be risky, but I had wanted to go on a date with this guy for months, months, and there is no way I was going to back out of it now. I had met James a couple months ago, a few weeks after getting blindsided by a brutal breakup with Charlie, a man I had dated for nearly a year. It was less of a chance meeting and more of a meticulously planned effort to bump into the handsome owner of a videography studio I had seen around the yoga studio I frequented. While I contorted my body in various positions, I'd often see a tall, handsome man walking past the window with a coffee or a laptop in his hand. So one day, as part of my master plan, I arrived with plenty of time to spare before the class started, and with my yoga mat in the crook of my elbow, I knocked on the door of the videography studio. The owner, tall with slightly messy sandy hair and a jawline sharp enough to cut diamonds, answered, Can I help you? This isn't the yoga studio, is it? I tried to act surprised. And yes, while there were hardwood floors and leafy plants and throw pillows throughout the studio giving off zen vibes, the 15 people hunched over their laptops editing videos, furiously typing and clicking away would have told me otherwise. No, he laughed. It's a couple storefronts down that way. See the big sign for mantra in the windows? He pointed down the road to where we both actually knew the yoga studio was. Oh my goodness. I facepalmed my forehead in faux embarrassment. Well, at least I have half an hour before class starts to make sure I get there all right. 
James then proceeded to invite me in for coffee, where we exchanged names and ultimately exchanged business cards. Since we were in different industries, I was hopeful that this was a classy way to exchange contact information for a potential future date. The timing was never quite right, though. James texted me that next week, but I was leaving for Thailand for a few weeks, and I told him that I would text him when I got service and returned home. When my plane touched down in the States, I found out he was in Detroit filming a wedding. Little did I know the timing was about to get a whole lot more complicated. While James was in Michigan, I was laying on the floor, phone facing down beside my head. The doctor had just called to tell me that my biopsy results had come back positive for breast cancer, commencing a frenzy of appointments and hard choices. Even though I was based in Colorado, I flew to Texas and New York for consultations. When talking about my travel plans with James, I decided to play them off as business trips filled with appointments and meetings. I was grateful we were only texting because I didn't want him to see how red my eyes were after hours of crying. When I returned to Colorado, James had left for a mountain biking trip to Utah where he had no cell service. I started my first session of chemotherapy and was sinking back in my chair when my phone buzzed. Could I take you out to dinner tomorrow night? Was saying yes a risky answer? I typed back an emphatic, yes, exclamation point, and reasoned I had 24 hours to craft a plan. Option A would be to be upfront about the cancer situation, but if so, when? Do you tell them before a date, while on the date, or immediately after? What if it scares them off because they might incorrectly assume you are looking for a deep commitment, but maybe all you want is to make out for a bit? What if it changes the way they perceive you and the tone of the date takes? So all you end up talking about is treatment and prognosis. It's difficult to make chemo sound sexy over dinner. Or option B, do you wait for as long as possible, letting them get to know you without the label of being a cancer patient? The downside of this is a whole lot of sidestepping and lying and not being able to explain why you're feeling so emotional or fatigued or the big one, why you no longer have eyebrows. I decided to give myself three weeks before telling James, coinciding with the date my hair would fall out if cold capping didn't work in my favor. My general thought process was this. Three weeks would allow for approximately three to four dates by which time we would both determine whether this might head somewhere serious. A few weeks seemed like enough time to know whether we were compatible, but not so much time where I couldn't manage to maneuver through explanations of why I had so many appointments and trying to schedule get-togethers at times when side effects were minimal or could be hidden. I wanted someone to love me for who I was and not get distracted by what was happening to me. And so plan to find love before I lose my hair so he continues to love me anyway commenced. I had been given steroids alongside chemo, so I was feeling fairly alert the day of the date. I threw on a bright red sundress and carefully curled the ends of my hair and fanned the wand and mascara across my lashes. I wondered whether this might be one of the last times I get to do either of these experiences again. We had decided to meet at the restaurant, and as he was telling me about his experience in South America over a glass of white wine, I started to lose all focus. All I wanted to do was close my eyes and sleep off this feeling, like my heart was going to beat out of my chest simultaneously as my body wanted nothing more than to pass out. At some point, I'm sure I started resembling a serial killer with how intently I was trying to keep my eyes open and maintain contact. 
On the walk back to my apartment, I found a grassy hill to sit on before saying goodnight. He wrapped his coat around me and pulled me in to kiss me. I closed my eyes. I awoke with a light stream of drool starting to flow out of the left corner of my mouth. Oof! I blinked my eyes open multiple times, trying to focus on my surroundings. It was dark. The world was tilted sideways, and we were on the grassy hill still. My head was resting on James's shoulder. Did I... Did I just fall asleep for a minute? We better get you home. I felt simultaneously jumpy while my limbs felt like dead weight as we ambled home. I'm filming in the Caribbean over the next week, but let's definitely plan to get together when I get back. He pecked me on the lips and headed off to his parked car. I went upstairs and ended up not being able to leave my bed for several days except to eat and go to the bathroom. I couldn't shake the feeling of exhaustion, but was also so jittery and unable to concentrate on anything at the same time. It was like I hadn't slept for days and then drank a gallon of strong coffee. Looks like the chemo side effects had started a full day earlier than what the nurses had predicted. After a few messages back and forth, James stopped initiating text messages. The next date never came. I started to run through every possible reason he might have not wanted that second date. Had he Googled me and seen posts which I told the world that I had breast cancer? Did he think I was drunk or out of it during the date? Was he offended that I fell asleep when we made out? Or were none of these his concerns and he simply didn't feel a spark during the date? That's one of the odd unintended consequences of cancer. Could someone be so uncomfortable with the perception of dating someone with cancer they decide to end things before even deciding whether they like me or not? Or do they not like the version of the person I am going through this? Because it's hard to feign positivity and energy when you're undergoing treatment and facing total uncertainty about the path your life can take. Or would they like the version of me from before the diagnosis? The version where I didn't have all of my mental energy focused on body scans and survival rates and needles in my arm. I spent weeks replaying the moment of that night in my head to figure out which one of these reasons it could have been. And one day I decided to take some of the control back. The first text went out to James. Hi, I wanted to reach out since I felt like I was really excited to get to know you, but I failed to tell you something on our first date. We actually went one day after my first chemotherapy treatment, and I felt so out of it that night, I wasn't sure when the right time to tell you would be. But I at least wanted you to know. Anyway, hope you had a good trip to the Caribbean. The second one went out to my ex-boyfriend, Charlie. We hadn't spoken in a couple of months, not since he had written me an email after I was diagnosed. I took a deep breath in and hit send. Charlie, in our last conversation a couple months ago, after hearing about my cancer diagnosis, you said you couldn't support me during my cancer journey. You had too much stress already in your life, and plus, we were broken up. I've had this thing growing inside of me, and I can't keep it in anymore because my body can't withstand any more toxicity. So I'm writing to tell you that no, this is not how it ends. I will not let your actions ever lead to me questioning whether I am worthy of love or support. I will not let you make me feel that an illness defines who I am and what I am deserving of. And just like that, I took a little bit of the control back from cancer. I'd already had enough questions and fears and uncertainty from cancer. I didn't need to add more to my life. So screw the rules. I needed to learn to accept that I was more than just a cancer patient, and that even in this complicated, chaotic stretch of life, I was still deserving of love just the way I was. 
And in order to do that, I needed to let go of the fears surrounding when and how and who to tell. I just needed to do it whenever it felt right and focus on finding the right person for me. And this is how I decide it ends. Thank you, Christina. I'm April Stearns, and you've been listening to Igniting the Fire Within, a limited series podcast by Wildfire Magazine and The Burn. Check us out at wildfirecommunity.org to order your copy of the book so you can read along each week. You'll also find our magazine and storytelling workshops there. Big thanks to our producer, Bill Smith of Shoe Production, and our production assistant, Monica Haro. Make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. If you like what you hear, tell your best friend, tell your mom, tell your oncologist. I mean, really, tell everyone you know. Or head into your podcast app and leave us a starred review to help others find their way to igniting their own fire within. Fire within.